we learn can provoke a divine order backed by the force of law forever giving you the freedom or the permission to request as much as you need in pursuit of a desire or a goal. We called it the blank check decree. The blank check decree. A decree backed by law that gives you permission to ask for as much as you need for a particular assignment. Our focus last week was on Shunammite woman, and today we continue with the Shunammite woman in part four as we focus on disrupting the disruptor. What do you do when the enemy comes against you to steal your blessing or cut short your celebration? What do you do when that thing you call your biggest testimony is being forcibly taken from your hands by the enemy? The word disrupt simply means to interrupt an activity, an event, or a process by causing disturbance or a problem. To interrupt an activity an event or a process by causing a disturbance or a problem. Every disruption drastically alters or destroys the structure of something. It can alter it in a positive way, but it's called a disruption because that positive transformation disrupts somebody else. Now, the other description or definition of a disruption is to throw into confusion, turmoil, or disorder. Sometimes an act of progress can cause confusion, turmoil, or disorder in somebody else. When you release a business innovation, it's a disruption because it's it just changes the status quo and all those in that industry are thrown into confusion and turmoil. In this instance, however, we are talking about something that causes a disturbance and a problem in what you are doing that is positive. Whichever definition you prefer, one thing is clear. A disruption does not leave things functioning as normally expected. So, let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 4. And the story so far is that the Shunammite woman had identified a need in Elisha's ministry that everyone else was seeing but had taken for granted. She first responded with a level 1 and 2 sacrifice an occasional meal or an, an, a one-off meal followed by an occasional invitation. As often as you can pass by, there's a provision. But Bible says one day she perceived, that was the next level, level three, and moved on to a level three sacrifice where she made a provision in her home 
and built a continuous relationship with Elisha. God rewarded her sacrifice by giving her the son she had desired for years. And her joy was complete. What happened next is a sequence that many of us can relate with. And so reading from verse 18, it says, And the child grew. And now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, My head, my head. So he said to a servant, Carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. My goodness. There are seven battlegrounds in this story that you must have at your fingertips and appreciate whenever the enemy comes against something that God has blessed you with and tries to take it away from you. The first battleground is a sudden progressive onslaught. A sudden and progressive onslaught. The miracle child had grown nicely and was probably about 12 years old and everything was on course until one innocuous, seemingly ordinary morning. The child goes to join his father in the farm or the field and says, my head. Very often, the disruptor enters disguised. Seemingly a slight problem you may not even notice. But once he enters, he moves very quickly. So the child casually complained of headache and I say casually because if it was serious, the father would have stopped farming. So, typically, the father says, take him to his mother. She normally handles these issues. She knows the formula. She knows what to give him. Some soup and some parastamol and he'll be fine. It was a routine. Prof. Routine medical procedure. Nothing to worry about. So, the child is brought home and sits on the mother's knees and the Bible says by noon, the child was dead. John chapter 10 verse 10 says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come, Jesus speaking, that they may have life and have it more abundantly. May abundant life be a portion. The disruptor is a thief who makes a subtle, sudden entrance into your life and then progressively begins to destroy what is beautiful. He first steals something that is yours 
and then he moves on to kill it and if you do not stop him he finally or completely destroys terminates extinguishes exterminates something you originally called a blessing is a familiar you woke up one morning you said you quite you did your quiet time you were fine but in a few hours time something that began as a little issue a text message whatsapp message a phone call sometimes it starts with one word they say trouble one word but it will be fine seemingly unassuming minor issue it takes you back to square one and by the time it's fully unravels you are looking at your life and saying i am back where i was five years ago ten years ago twelve years ago twenty years ago before the lord visited me your testimony has been stolen your future has been hijacked the fruit of your labor the word from god that came to pass is gone by the end of the disruption the factory has closed down your appointment or contract has been revoked your sponsor or financial partner has pulled out your marriage is on the brink of collapse your hard disk has crashed and the memory is gone did you go or did you come that was the shunammite woman's dilemma the disruptor had struck and struck very hard what was her response how did she respond what do we learn about how to respond when the enemy forcibly tries to steal your blessing the second battleground is reconnect to your source where the blessing came from bible says in verse 21 she went up and laid the child on the bed of the man of god shut the door upon him and went out then she called to her husband and said please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that i may run to the man of god and come back so she said so he said why are you going to him today it is neither the new moon nor the sabbath and she answered it is well then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant drive and go forward do not slacken the pace for me unless i tell you this woman is beautiful just beautiful what would anyone else have done typically number one they would have cried out so loud that the whole village would have come running number two they would have surrounded themselves with different levels of mourners you see their mourning depending on where you come from in this country eh, there are levels there are even commercial mourners they say if you want the one that you will cry and lie on the floor 
pay this amount of money. Seniors. Have you seen those adverts before? Real life is not um, WhatsApp. It's real life. Seniors. She could have shouted and cried and surrounded herself with mourners. She could have sent the bad news to her husband and members of the family. We are bereaved. She could have embalmed and started the burial arrangements. She could have boycotted the house of God. Eh, church. And they prayed for me and God blessed me and now the, the blessing is gone. She could have put it on social media if there was one at the time. Or she could have kept it to herself, kept to herself, become bitter and angry, and from now onwards, I need me time. I don't talk to anyone. God has dealt bitterly with me. This woman did none of the above. She went to the room she had built for the Lord and calmly laid the child on the bed at the same place where she had made the sacrifice. It was a statement. Lord, I made space for you in my life. Now that you are here, you have to perform. I created space where there was no space. And now I know you are here. If you want to connect to your source, there are two things you must do. One is shut the door. The woman shut the door behind her. Sometimes in exercising your faith in God, one person, just one person who is misaligned with the wrong spirit can drown you with their negativity. Their doubt, their counter shut the door and make sure maybe Peter, James, and John, those who understood him were around. Because you have to shut the door. Not everything that you are doing is for social media. There are things that are personal battles you are fighting and trusting God. It doesn't make sense to anyone, but you and God alone, you are in this together. Tell somebody, shut the door. The woman shut the door behind her and set off. She gauged the path she was traveling and said, even her husband that she was married to was not ready. This is a very, very interesting point. If you follow this woman, she will typically take a step in her work with God and gauge the husband's level. So in the level one commitment, she didn't talk to the husband about it. She gave Elisha food. Level two, she gave Elisha an invitation. Anytime you're passing, just come and eat. It was the level three that required family assets. That she said, you know what, sweetheart, let's discuss this thing that we are about to do. And she broke it down and it made sense. My personal understanding is that in her work with God, she had come to a point where based on her personal experience, she felt this thing, I must keep it to myself. If not, if I prematurely disclose it, it will be a challenge. So, she sent to her husband and says, send me a driver and a car. I'm going to see Elisha and come. And the husband said, ah, hold on. You are going to church today. It's not Sunday. 
It is not Wednesday practical Christianity hangout. Where are you going? She says, it is well. Tell somebody it is well. It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. But the beautiful thing about our dispensation, you don't even need to travel to New Wine Temple. Right where you are, the word of God is nigh thee, even in your mouth. And that is the word of faith which we preach. Romans chapter 10 verse 8 says the word is nigh thee. So when you are battled by a situation, lift up the word. The word is in your mouth. You can be at the battleground, the very place where the trouble is ravaging your life. You don't need to physically travel to the church. Right where you are, it is the word of faith that we speak. Speak into the situation. So the first thing you want to do when you are reconnecting is to shut the door. The second part is to stay focused. She said to the young man, drive. I love that. She didn't say ride though. Drive. It's a donkey they were moving with. He says, drive. Drive swiftly and go forward. And don't stop till I tell you. Why? Because in the typical Jewish communal society they were in. Oh, madam, good afternoon. Madam, how are you? Listen, it was not time for talk, talk. There's a time to talk and a time to drive. Oh, you didn't hear me on a Sunday morning. I said there's a time to talk and a time to drive. She says, if I don't tell you to stop, even when people stop us, keep moving. There are times in your life where you need to shut up and focus on what you are doing in your work with God. She said, until I tell you, don't greet no one and don't stop. So they kept driving. This morning, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but the word is nigh you, even in your mouth. The third thing is shalom. It is well. Tell somebody shalom. When the husband asked her where she was going, she said shalom. Shalom means peace. It means it is well. What she was saying is that in good times and bad times, it is well with me. That was her confession. Then Elisha sees her coming and sends Gehazi and says, looking at the woman, there's, there's a problem. There's trouble. Go and ask her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your children? And guess what? The woman's answer was, Shalom. Tell somebody it is well. Speak God's word over your situation. Declare the peace of God over your trouble. That child is giving you sleepless nights. But when they ask you, how are you? You say, it is well. Your health is challenging you. And what is your testimony? It is well. Tell somebody shalom. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold fast the profession 
of our faith or the confession of our hope without wavering. Because faithful is he who has called us. And faithful is he who we have trusted in. It is well. This morning, if you didn't hear anything, the announcement from heaven is that it is well. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning that is looking at the challenges you are facing and saying, hey, it's only the fifth month of the year and things are going from one level to another, not in the positive direction, but in the other direction. The announcement from heaven is that it is well. He who has begun a good work in you, he will finish it. I said he will finish it. It is well. Number four, plead your case. So in verse 27, she came to the man of God at the hill and caught his feet. She caught him by the feet. And Gehazi tried to settle the matter and say, Eraba, take it easy. And Elisha said, you know what? Leave her alone. The level she's at, please. Again, depending on the part of Ghana she's coming from, please don't provoke her. Leave her alone. And then she made a very interesting statement. Did I not say to you, man of God, that do not deceive me? Did I ask you for a son? You asked me and I said, I am fine. Why am I in this trouble? Now you will think that she was offended, complaining, and insulting God. I have a different position. It is informed by only one thing. If you are insulting somebody, you don't kneel down and hold them at their feet. Posture matters. You can stand in a defiant posture and say something nice. Your posture speaks louder than your words. What I believe the woman was doing is something that I love in the book of Job. In the book of Job, chapter 23, verse 3 to 6, it says, Oh, that I know where I might find him, that I may come to his seat, and I will present my case before him, and fill my mouth with arguments. I will know the words he will answer me, and understand what he will say to me. Verse 6. Will he contend with me in his great power? No. But he will take note of me. I love it. It says, if I know where I will find God, I will go to him in my distress and fill my mouth with arguments. God, is it not you who said, why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. And that he that sits in the heavens shall laugh. Did you not say that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want? Did I not read in the scriptures that a thousand will fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand? Lord, tell me, has your word changed? 
am filling my mouth with arguments based on the scriptures. So this woman goes to, go, to, to Elisha and begins to make a case. When the disruptor comes against your life, you don't become bitter against God. You fill your mouth with scripture and begin to announce, he is my glory and the lifter up of my head. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. He that keeps me will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Lift up your hands and say, the Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shade upon my right hand. The Lord shall deliver me from all evil. He shall deliver my soul. The Lord shall deliver my going out and my coming in. Present God's word to him. So the woman fills her mouth with arguments and pleads her case. Now, the fifth battleground is he will overshadow you. As she makes her case to Elisha, Elisha realizes that this one, eh, God must do something. So he sends Gehazi with the staff. Go and lay it on the young man and he will be fine. And the woman says, he Gehazi can go. But as for me, I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you today or tomorrow. And so, when Elisha came to the house, verse 32, with the woman, there the child was lying dead on the bed. He went in, verse 33, and guess what? shut the door behind him and the two of them prayed to the Lord first time the woman was alone she shut the door second time Elisha had caught the revelation that this one something will happen so he and the woman were the ones who were ready everyone else was not ready so they shut the door behind them you wait outside I'm sure that once the woman came to town with Elisha everybody was following to see what what was happening he says wait outside and they prayed. As they prayed, nothing was happening. Then Elisha did something very significant. Bible says he lay over the child, mouth upon mouth, eyes upon eyes, hands upon hands, and then he stretched himself out over the child. Suddenly, the dead child began to get warm. My dear friends, when the spirit of the Lord comes upon you and the power of the highest overshadows you, what was called impossible becomes possible. I'm speaking to somebody's dead dream this morning. I'm speaking to a closed door that you say, this one, all those who matter have spoken and this person says the permit will not come. So it's a case closed. The announcement from heaven today is that God will overshadow every institutional, every arrangement. He will overshadow sight. He will overshadow speech. He will overshadow touch. He will overshadow every single authority. And the counsel of God will stand in your life. The counsel of God will stand in your family. The counsel of God will stand in your health. The counsel of God will stand in your business. The spirit of the Lord will come upon you and the power 
of the highest will overshadow you. May God overshadow somebody in this season. Sometimes when God does that, he takes away that chance for you to say something that will spoil the miracle. Because you and I, if you leave us alone, we will say the wrong thing and damage the thing God is doing. May the power of God come upon your situation. Hallelujah. The spirit of God overshadowed the young man and the Bible says the next time it was done, the child sneezed seven times. And then the child came back to life. Elisha took the child and handed the child over to the woman. And the Bible says the woman bowed down at her feet again, an act of worship, and received her child. Somebody say it is done. Somebody say it is done. When the disruptor comes against your life and God intervenes, you rejoice and you say, it is done. And you give a testimony and you are fine. But there is something else I want to show you. The sixth battleground is that from nowhere, after a while, guess what? The disruptor comes back. Bible says years later, the disruptor was back, not in the same form after her child, this time after her property. Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 8 comes to the woman and says there is a famine and economic pandemic coming and so you need to relocate to anywhere but here. So this notable woman who together with her husband owns property and farms and lands has to move to a different country for seven years. Second Kings 8 verse 1 says, Then Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can. For the Lord has called for a famine, and furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines for seven years. And it came to pass after seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines and went to make an appeal to the king for her house and her land. You know what had happened? By the land tenure system of Israel, once you abandon your property for a number of years, a new owner possesses it, and it is this. But at the word of the Lord, she obeyed and left. Now there is a new owner occupying your house, occupying your land, and occupying your farms. The only way that can be reversed is by a presidential decree from the king. So this woman goes to the king from a place of self-sufficiency. Now she's vulnerable. The king must intervene or she's homeless and propertyless.
that is where we hit the seventh point of divine orchestration. The woman is in the queue waiting for her turn to see the king. Then God says to Gehazi, leave Elisha. Go to Jubilee House. Go and stand around the president's office and just stand there. So Gehazi leaves Elisha and goes to the palace. And just before the woman enters, the king says, hey, Gehazi, come, come. Come and stand by me and tell me stories. Oh. Tell me stories of some of the miracles Elisha did. And of all the miracles Elisha did, Gehazi is narrating them to the king and narrating them. Then he says, hey, there was this one, this nice woman who gave Elisha accommodation. And this woman's story is very, very special because she saw a need nobody saw and she sacrificed for Elisha. And Elisha gave the woman a son. And the woman's son died. And guess what? Nana, Elisha raised the child from the dead. So as he's narrating the story, the woman enters. There is some way that God does his things. Eh? The timing and the orchestration, you just can't understand it. It could have been any other story, any other place, any other person. He says, tell me about Elisha's stories. The woman enters and the king says, can I help you? Gehazi says, there she is, there she is. Who is that? This is the woman I was telling you about. Guess what? For many of you staying here, you've forgotten that last week, there was a blank check that was signed, but the woman didn't write the amount. Elisha said, can I speak to the king on your behalf several years ago? And the woman said, no. I dwell among my own people. Several years later, economic crisis had made her go and dwell among the Philistines. And now that she was back, she needed that intervention. So, an offer that was made several years ago, she says, oh, I don't need it. Now she needed it. Friends, is it possible that sometimes, eh, when God opens the door for you and you, and, and you are asking, give me this, give me that, if you can be patient, the right time will come when you need it even more. So don't argue with God and say, I have saved you and here I am. I don't even see what you have done for me. If it is done for you at that time, that is not the critical time of need. So guess what? Gehazi says, that's the woman. And the king says, what do you need? He says, somebody has occupied my land and my house and my farms. The king calls the minister of lands and says, I hereby instruct you. Give her her house. Minister for housing, give her the house. Minister for land, give her the, the land. Minister for Greek, give her back her farm. And in addition, please, go and calculate. Anybody who has farmed on the land for the past seven years, whatever they have produced, collect it all and give it back to the woman. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. 
I don't know who is standing here feeling that you have served God, you have sacrificed for God, and you have not been rewarded. I came to announce a blank check that was signed several years ago, and you did not cash it. It's being activated on your behalf. Something that you are standing in and you say you have no help. God has arisen and his enemies are being scattered. Something will shift in your favor. I came with a prophetic word from God, with an announcement from God that God will advance in your favor in a supernatural way. In Jesus' mighty name. Tell somebody divine orchestration. God is working. He's up to something. I may not see it, but still I'm trusting. Oh, God is working. I said God is working. I said God is working. Put your hands together and give a shout to God if God is working. It all started with a bowl of food. It all started with a bowl of food. The house of God needs something small. Elisha, you look hungry. Get this food. Something simple you did for God. Then you developed the interest. Then you did more. And then more. And then more. And then more. But on a day that you felt nothing was happening, seven years of loss was restored in one day. May God show kindness to somebody. May God show kindness to a family here. You have sacrificed for the Lord and sometimes wonder whether it was worth it. May God show you kindness. May God contend with those who contend with you. May God fight your battles for you. And may God show you kindness beyond measure. We thank you, Father, for the authority of your word. We give you praise for transformation. We give you praise for restoration. And we declare that the disruptor is disrupted in our lives, in our health, in our families, in our businesses, in everything that we do. The disruptor is disrupted in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Put your hands together and celebrate the Lord. Before we take our first fruits, I would like to... Um, receive the transgenerational covenant seed. For those who are here for the first time today, last two weeks, as God spoke about Abraham, in Genesis 12 verse 1, God told Abraham, leave your father's house to a place that I will show you and I will make you great and your seed shall be great. And Abraham believed it. And then in Genesis 15, verse 1, God said to Abraham, I am your shield and exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, hold on, Lord. Even as something as basic as a son, I don't have one. How do you talk about being my shield and reward? And God said, listen, let's not argue. I will give you not just a son, but descendants like the stars. Come out. And God showed him the stars and says, count them if you can. That's what I'm about to do. So it was settled. What God would do in Abraham's life was settled. But in Genesis 22, the Bible says God tested Abraham. Does he really believe? Is he ready for this? And Abraham gave 
his son Isaac literally gave all that he had to God. And the Bible says in Genesis 22 that after Abraham showed God that he could sacrifice for him, God said, by myself, I have sworn. The Lord appeared to him a second time and said, by myself, I have sworn. In blessing, I will bless you. And at that time, God swore and says, your children and your children's children will be blessed. That is why till today, we are still called children of Abraham. So what the Lord led us to do, all of us, was to take a seed and say, this seed is not a transaction between me and God. It's a transgenerational seed for my children and my children's children. And no amount is too small. It's just a personal commitment you want to make and say, for my children, for generations after me, because of me, may they have a good life. I told the story of one day going to a notable high commission or embassy. And the first time I was going to that embassy, it was a very big thing, going to collect my first visa. Years later, I went to the same embassy with my last born son. And before we went to the counter, the person at that counter had bounced everyone, including some very notable people in this country. So that particular counter, nobody wanted to go there. When they say number, then they would, if, they, if it's that, that person, they won't go. That's why we didn't have any problems. So we stood up and went to that same counter. And the person was chatting with us. Where are you going? So we are going for our son's graduation. You see, we are chatting. And the funny thing is, he was chatting with the last born. So how are you? And just frisky chatting with him. And as I stood there, it struck me that, you know what? Sometimes the things that are big things for you, you fight them and you overcome them. And the next generation, eh, they cross their legs. It's no longer a battle. They are fighting other battles. They are guaranteed because you got it. Some things your children will enjoy them because you fought and won big battles. Transgenerational covenant. If you're here with your transgenerational seed, kindly bring it forward as you see a prayer. Generations after us shall be blessed. Please come forward if you have it and lift it before the Lord. If you are not here and you want to join it, it's, it's, it's just something you can do very easily. A seed for your children. If you want to write out a check, write it to ICGC, the New Wine Temple. If you want to send it next week because you were new here and you were not here that time, it's okay. But lift up your seed before the Lord. Generations after us must be blessed. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. Lift it up before the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We thank you for the next generation. Our children shall live and not die. Our children shall prosper. The blessing of the Lord will be upon our lives and upon our children and our children's children. It shall be well with us. It shall be well with our family. It shall be well with generations after us. We prophesy life. We prophesy health. We prophesy peace of mind. We prophesy generational blessings upon our children and our children's children. And for everyone that honors Christ today, may the Lord contend with them that contend with you and make a way for you where there seems to be no way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.